You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Welcome, family, friends, fans, and foes. It's time once again to join us on Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling. I'm your host, Casey Corbin, and thank you for joining us this morning or this afternoon or whenever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, but before we get started, uh, why don't you go onto your little computer or onto your phone and hit us up on all those social medias. On the Twitter, we are at TNWPod. On uh, Facebook, we are Talking Wrestling. Uh, on the Instagram, we are at Talking Wrestling Podcast, and feel free to drop us a Gmail at talkingwrestling at gmail.com. And uh, while you're at it, if you've done all that, uh, why not hit the old subscribe button wherever you're downloading us or, or finding us on. If you're on iTunes, hit that subscribe. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. If you give us a five-star rating and a favorable review, we will send you a postcard from the 80s, not from the 80s, actually from the 2000s, but the postcard is from the 80s, and you get your wrestler of your choice if we still have it. Lots of 80s wrestlers are still available. Get us those uh, reviews. We'll get you those postcards uh, as soon as we can. Today, I've got a guest in-house. We are in the Never Sleeps Network studio. And today, my guest is uh, a comedian buddy of mine who uh, I went to the Impact tapings with this summer. And uh, now I have him in studio, Simon Rakoff. How you doing, buddy? Uh, excellent. Nice to see you. Hey. I can see Never Sleeps Network because there's jackhammers outside the window there. Well, well, I wonder if the listeners can hear them. But yeah, no wonder nobody sleeps here. Well, jackhammers, uh, we, we have them going because this is a celebration for Bill Goldberg. <laughs> That's and right. He, that is his finisher. And we're, we're, we got them to come in and just have some jackhammers in the background. I figured maybe you were expanding the studio as we were. <laughs> well, you know, we are doing fairly well anytime we can do renovations i've never um, seen so many throw pillows in a studio before it's well sometimes here. the podcast can get boring and we need to take a nap uh we do have wrestlers on that are very old sometimes and they do need naps i bet oh so, yeah yeah they don't necessarily tan and work out all day it's and not then i was wrestling george the anna exactly imagine that if there was a wrestler and his gimmick was uh, narcolepsy that'd be great and he's like, you like you wouldn't even have it to put the sleeper on him. Or maybe the sleeper is his finish. They're all the rest irony. holds. They're all rest holds. <laughs> he takes it, he has him in a headlock or a chin lock on the ground, and all the fans start chanting, and they're waiting for his arm to rise, but he's actually just snoozing, taking a rest. Or he pins them and then the ref has to like pull him off because he's he's asleep on top out. of yeah, him. He's just falling asleep <laughs> oh my God. while he wins. That would terrify my girlfriend because that's happened to her. Oh, well. No, it hasn't. I don't even have a girlfriend. I was just saying that to be funny. Oh, good. So I just thought that was, if I, if maybe I do have a girlfriend, it's all kayfabe. It's wrestling. We don't know what's real and what's not That's real. That's right. Maybe it's his girlfriend. Maybe it's his arch enemy in a girlfriend mask. It, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, Simon, when did you uh, start off liking, liking wrestling and when did you? Oh my God. Wrestling? It's been decades i mean i remember the first wa wa watching it as a little child my, my family was never into it they don't care like it was never a thing i found it on television and my first uh thing when i mean i was maybe six years old in montreal so we're talking you know mm -hmm. uh crybaby cannon and do you know george cannon he was yeah, the yeah. announcer later yeah. but he you know he was wrestling then and and uh tarzan tyler and the boot uh, tarzan the boot tyler you yeah. know and but i was confused because they always say you know one fall yeah and they fall all the time right <laughs> they don't explain a fall as a pinfall and i'm just going well isn't it over he fell oh he fell again they keep falling when's it gonna end in the math the score is seven to two right now exactly <laughs> so that was my my first experience but i remember how how uh how funny it was even as a kid i knew it wasn't yeah you know they weren't fighting i mean you know it was a show i mean edward carpentier was flipping around and, yeah you know the flying frenchman and not just that but guys would like go like you know he'd barely touch them and they go flying out of the ring i mean it was yeah. it, it's much more real now actually that's what's interesting about wrestling is that they now admit it's not real but it looks so much more real than when they didn't admit it was real 
Agreed. It, it totally. Sometimes they bring back some old gimmicky old things that that aren't real. That's part of the show business, part of wrestling, like wow. Joey Ryan's dick flip, which is absolutely ridiculous. He makes sure. you grab his dick and then I, you. Do I the saw flip. him recently. Yeah, and that's some people don't like it, but it's just hokey. And I'm sure most of them don't like it. Yeah, it, I, I don't. I think it's funny. I laugh. Yeah, but at you're it. not the one grabbing it. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> come on. It's like you look at it, if you're not comfortable being in your underwear oiled up, groping another man for 20 minutes, and you're going to get a, a little homophobic over a dick flip in I'm public. Like, look what you're already doing in public. <laughs> you're both in your underwear already. It's true. You're oiled up. You're rolling around. What's you know? And, yeah, and no, this is exactly. where you draw the homophobic line. Oh, I won't do a dick flip. Get out of here. Just do the move. Oh, I'm sure they. I'm sure they do it as part of the gimmick. I'm sure they know he's booked and what they're going to have to do. They Exactly. That's the thing. It's like when wrestlers get together, it's like, do you know my finish? Oh, I know your finish. <laughs> do you want to do it? I don't want to take it. You know? That's right. Yeah. You have, you have options, right? Um, no, I think the funniest thing is actually the uh, inability to stop your momentum when you're bounced off the ropes. That's still, to me, the best part of wrestling is that the back and forth, bouncing yes. back and forth off the ropes. They just can't stop themselves. No. <laughs> no. And it's funny when they do keep going and then when they do stop, not unless you're going to drop a people's elbow or a you can't see me, then, you know, if you have the move in the middle. But usually, yeah. When, especially when they, funny. when they both do opposite ropes and they both crisscross. And they yeah, can't, sure. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, when will they ever stop? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you grew up watching Montreal wrestling. And, As a very uh, little kid. And, yeah. and occasionally you'd see the Calgary circuit. And then I came to Toronto at about eight years old. And I remember I never went to the wrestling in Toronto. But um, they'd occasionally have it on television, too. And that was the Sheik was the main guy. Mm -hmm. And Tiger Jeet Singh. Yeah. And uh, the tall hillbilly Haystack Calhoun. Yeah. And Mighty Igor. Um, and Bobo Brazil was here a lot, I remember. Yeah. And those are all fantastic wrestlers. Like, you know, talk about uh, a good time growing up, like Bobo Bazil, and he used to wrestle on bare feet, and you'd have his flying headbutts flying everywhere. And well, because, you know, the black skull is thicker than the white man's skull. I, I did not know that. Yeah, clearly, according to wrestling, the racism is in unbelievable. But yeah, well, yeah. But, but the point of it is, it's all cartoons, right? So, so I mean, you know, all Germans were evil and all black people were savages. And yeah. All, you know, I mean, that's how it worked. And it's still kind of, it's still, sadly, it's still kind of that way to this day where it's like, okay, you know, you're going to be this and this is how you have to be and this is why they're going to boo you. You know, like when, um, well, most foreigners, when they like, why does Jinder Mahal have to be a bad guy? He's just Indian. He's not bad. Who Maybe you don't, like, do you hate bartering that much? You know, like, <laughs> they're, and Indian wrestlers are more now, they're more and more everywhere. And, of course, they're usually told to play up their Indian heritage, which they usually don't have a choice. Look, like you look at uh, the Desi Hit Squad; those are just regular guys. They're regular look, guys. Yeah, but look but at stand-up. Like, let's be fair. Most ethnically diverse stand-ups do a whole thing about you know, yes, their ethnicity too. Like, but they're not booed just because of the, what ethnicity they are. No, because stand-up isn't about getting booed. But no. my point is, they're they're still working to the working the their prejudices. Angle. Yes. That's what I'm saying. It's not, I'm not saying it's, uh, yeah. uh, you know, they, they're trying to get laughs with it, but it's still, you know, people work with what's easiest often. That I makes sense. Now there is a, a group in impact wrestling called the Desi hit squad. Yeah, we saw and, them. And they're managed by the great gamma, uh, who is a legendary Calgary wrestler and, um, and is Jinder Mahal's uncle, as I've been told. And, uh, I, we were heckling them. And uh, I believe I heckled them. I called one of them uh, Wrestle Peters. <laughs> yep. And I was like, hey, Wrestle Peters. I also called them Barter Club as well <laughs> uh, instead of Bullet Club. And I thought, oh, that's too edgy. But Wrestle Peters is fine. So we, we were heckling a lot that night. And uh, yeah, I just. I like which one's Lucy. I like that too. I like that. <laughs> I, I like heckling wrestlers. You know, I'm against heckling at comedy clubs, but if you wrestle, 
I mean, if you go to wrestling, you sh- I like oh, no, heckling. But that's, they like it, too. That's part, part of, of the it. thing. I know, then this is what you feel like. You feel like one of those hecklers at a comedy show once you start saying, it's part of the show. We're helping you out. It's part of the show. I was helping you out. Totally different. Totally. But that's what they think at a comedy show when a heckler comes up to you afterwards, right? Oh, yeah, but... But you it's know. not like wrestling. I was like, no, I'm not a bad guy up there. I don't need to be booed. You well, did also, not. I'm not, I'm talking. Yeah. I mean, if I was doing silent, you know, jumping around and kicking, what do I care what's being said while I'm working? But yeah. And know. that would be a terrible comedy act anyway. It's just a guy jumping around kicking. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't know. A fat guy jumping around kicking might be actually pretty funny. It might funny. be pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he, can, he can't Well, there have been us. wrestling comedians too. I mean, oh, yeah. now all the wrestlers are playing comedy clubs, but I'm saying there have been comics whose gimmick was wrestling. There was Crusher Comic. Crusher Comic. Yeah. And uh, El Jaguar. But there was also like, you know, there's so many, um, you know, like, look at all the personalities in comedy. Like, look at the unknown comic, Murray mm-hmm. Langston. That right there is wrestling right there. He doesn't really have a bag for a head. Yeah, that's not. That's no, a guy under there. Yeah. You know, but he's playing a character. And that's. Uh, so oh, well, then you get into Bobcat and Emo and. Oh, yeah. Sure, lots yeah. of them. Yeah. And uh, it's funny when they won't drop their character. You know, and I just watched a special this week. Uh, the They had a big wrestling pay-per-view in Chicago, an indie show called All In. And uh, along with All In, there was a StarCast production around this All In. So it was like a bunch of panel shows and a bunch of podcasting. We watched them. There were several good ones, uh, several good panels, but most panels were yeah. so-so. And uh, some of the panels I watched was... Uh, we watched the 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 Bruce Pritchard roast, uh, the Bruce Pritchard roast, Bruce Pritchard oh, brother, brother love, brother love, yeah, okay, uh, a terrible roast. They don't know how to roast. Eric Bischoff did not understand what a roast was. Um, Why they, he was nice to him? Well, no, a lot of people were nice to him, and a lot of people when they got insulted themselves didn't understand why they were being insulted. They thought they were a guest on the show. And they didn't understand, and it was not a good roast. But aren't a lot of them kind of punchy? Like, like, can you not sort of get that many of them probably do not quite understand where they are much of the time? <laughs> Brutus, not Beefcake. to insult them. I'm Brutus just saying they're, no they take a lot of you know a lot of hits in the head. It's it you know it's not a it's not a healthy life. They yeah, have. Brutus Beefcake took a really big beating at the roast that night. Um, I don't even remember the best joke and usually I can, but, uh, the roast was not that good. I found all the star cast, uh, had a raw, a lot of problems with the audio. I found, uh, really high mics. Like when they change mics from one person to another or another person speaks, one person's really high on the mic and one person speaks better on the mic. And then, so they had, they didn't have a sound engineer evening everything out, you know? Which was uh, shitty and and kind of annoying because if you're watching at home, you have your channel set at like maybe volume 21. And then all of a sudden the next guy comes on, you can't hear him. So you have to turn up to 28. And then the previous guy comes out and he starts talking. You're like, oh, back down to 20. You know, it was doing that all night. Yeah, that's annoying. That's annoying. I actually find that's true of a lot of movies, frankly. Really? Where the dialogue is down here and you can barely hear what they're saying. And then suddenly they're exploding trucks and it's so loud you can barely hear in your apartment. It was crazy, but there were some good panels. Um, the Andy Kaufman panel was good. They had Bill Apter, uh, Jim Ross, uh, not Jim Ross, Bill Apter, Jerry Lawler, and uh, Dutch Mantel were there. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about Andy's time in, uh, Memphis. In, in Memphis. And like a lot of people don't realize that Andy was there for like nine months. He kept yeah, coming yeah. back, coming back, coming back. But what I didn't know was after he passed away, uh, his brother Michael called Jerry Lawler and said, Andy has a pile of checks here, and they're all from you. And they've ne- he never cashed one check. Everything he did was for free because he loved wrestling. And he's from Hollywood. And he's from Hollywood. He doesn't need that Memphis money. He doesn't need the Memphis money. He the tax money. Remember, he used to buy time on the show to help them out. That's what he would do. <laughs> he would buy his own time. He would say yeah, his soap. To tell them funny. about soap or toothpaste. Tell them about soap or, or that women should be scrubbing the pots and peeling the carrots in the kitchen. You know? Um, I absolutely love Andy Kaufman. And um, I absolutely, I, it was so great that uh, this story was great. Bill Apter said, 
one time you went to a play in in, in Broadway, and Judge Hurst was uh, in the play. So he waited till after Judge Hurst came out of theater to go Judd. up and introduce himself. Judge Hurst, yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, oh dear, dear John. Uh, Judd uh, came out afterwards, and Bill After approached him and said, "Hey, Judd, uh, my name is Bill After," and he said, "Oh, Bill, the Bill After," and he's like, "Pardon?" He goes, "You're the wrestling journalist, Bill After." And he's like, uh, yes. And he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, you, you, you introduced Andy to Jerry Lawler. And he said, yes, why I did. And then uh, he goes, yeah, um, the minute you did that, you changed Andy forever. <laughs> he used to be so nice to work with at Taxi. And now he comes in and all he wants to do is talk about wrestling. He wants to be a bad guy wrestler all the time. He's late. He doesn't show up. He doesn't do things right, and he's just doing it all to get reactions. And he goes, it's driving us insane. He's like, before wrestling, Andy, just a gem to work with. Now, after wrestling, just a pain to work with, you know? And Bill After couldn't believe he was hearing all this. Like, he, they didn't know that Andy was going back to work and just being a bad guy wrestler at work, you know? And this is, this is totally even without Tony Clifton coming in a taxi. You know, so yeah. I mean, he was crazy, Andy Kaufman. He was, you know, he was a nut. He he was hilarious, but again, he he couldn't turn it off. So that's, I mean, Letterman said, "You look into Andy's eyes, and you know somebody else is driving the bus." Yeah, yeah. I it, met him once. He was clearly an odd guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where did you meet him? Uh, here at a restaurant. He was just sitting in a restaurant, actually, right above on Bay Street, over the old Yuck Yucks, like a billion years ago. Yeah. I mean, the building isn't even there anymore. Yeah. So uh, was he in town doing shows? Or? I don't know what he was doing. I mean, wow. I I met and him. How did you know it was Andy? Did you just see him? You're like, that's Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Well, me and Steve Schuster, okay, who, who he knew a little bit just because of SNL, okay, went up there and saw him. And Steve went over and went, "Hi, Andy. You know, it's me, Steve. And this is my friend Simon. He's a comedian too. And Andy was very sort of like, you know, just off in the distance kind of thing. It was yeah. Sort of like, hi, hi. How are you? You know, but not there at all. Yeah. You know, one of those where he's, he's clearly not really engaging. Mm -hmm. And it was like, anyway, a big fan. Bye. <laughs> you know, that's all you got to say at that that's, point. That's actually cool. And um, I used to love, um, this is funny because when you mentioned Steve's name, Howard, when I was coming up uh, doing comedy, I, I came up in the Ottawa Yuck Yucks and that system that they had there. And Howard would always specifically book me with guys that liked wrestling. So, um, you know, that's how I got to know Steve was whenever Steve came to town, I would often be on his shows with him or, you know, and uh, I can remember many, many times being at Spirits and it would be, it seemed like it would just, we, everybody would be smoking outside, but then when everybody leaves, there would be like yourself, Steve, and I just sitting there, standing there, still talking wrestling, and nobody smoking. Well, Steve is the one who got me into wrestling, really. Like, I was aware of it as a kid, like I told you before, mm -hmm. but I didn't really get it. Yeah. And then Steve is the one who sort of pointed it out to me. Now, Steve also was nuts, right? Yeah. I mean, Steve used to make dream cards. He had, like, notepads filled. I used to do that, too. Filled with, you know, okay, so we'll have this guy and this guy and these two, and this, you know, and, and he booked the matches, and here's what's going to happen, and then this run-in. and I mean, he, he, he was in his head. He was the booker, you know? Yeah. And frankly, he would have done a great job, but, you know, yeah. that's how it is, right? I don't know. I, I I mean, wrestling is really for me because I'm not, you know, I'm I'm a smart guy. Like yeah. I like I read real books and <laughs> do you know cryptic crosswords and and enjoy documentaries and you know I'm I'm not uh, I'm not a guy who can't enjoy entertainment that's beyond wrestling. I love wrestling, but it's also infuriating how badly it's done so much of the time. Yeah. You know, like I'm a fan, but I I am much more of a um, fast forwarder these days than a watcher. I mean, yeah, I get through Raw in about you know 25 minutes. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah. On number four because <laughs> you know I I listen to some of the talking, and you know the matches. Once in a while, I'll watch a match if mm. it's really good. I I recently saw a really excellent one, and I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was Kevin Owens. Who did he wrestle a couple weeks ago? Was it Seth Rollins? I think it was Seth yeah, Rollins. Yeah, I think that was the on one. Here in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, that ago. was a great match. Yeah. You know, but 
mostly I just zip through the matches. Yeah. And just, you know, when somebody runs in or some, some part of the plot basically yeah. happens, I'm, I'm following the story. You know? What, what wrestling do you watch mostly these days? Do you mostly just watch WWE product or do you watch anything else? I watch WWE and I go to the Greek town events almost yeah. every time, which I love. Now there's a great Greek town show coming up soon. Oh yeah. I've got my tickets. A, yeah. With a couple legends coming in, Tommy dreamer, who has uh, been on the uh, this show before. It's called and Dreamers. Dreamers? Yeah, it's That's Dreamers. the name of the card. Yes, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan will also be in town. <laughs> fighting one of my favorite villains. Who's he fighting? Jock Sampson. Who, now, who's Jock Sampson? He's the... <laughs> he's hysterical. He's this fat guy with a beard and a cowboy hat from somewhere in America, you okay. know, real America. Yeah. And uh, he's got a, uh, like a satin jacket, King of the One Night Stands. That's what he calls himself. Oh. And he's just awful looking and hilariously funny as a bad yeah. guy. Yeah. Very funny. Greek Town is, uh, they're a little more character driven. Do you find? Yeah. Oh, they yeah. They have the Space Monkey. Oh, they do. They have Space Monkey. They have Freddie Mercurio. I like this Freddie Mercurio. He's a he's luchador. Terrific. And he looks like Freddie Mercury. Yeah. And. When he punches you, he stomps on the ground twice and punches yeah. you in the face. So it's like, we will rock you. <laughs> love it. I love it. Do, do, yeah. yeah, it's so and great. And I yelled out, Freddie, you're the champion. And he said, no, no, we are the champions. And the crowd goes, <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. It's great. In fact, when he, he fought Jock Sampson, and at one point during a, a little quiet point, I yelled out, come on, Freddie, beat this fat bottom girl. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I just love the heart of it. Like, t they remind me of us, like yeah. comics on the road, you know, working hard for, you know, whatever we can get out of it and mm -hmm. uh, and doing it for the people who show up. I, I, I like the heart of it. When is the next week show? It's on a Thursday night, the, I, a couple on, of weeks, two weeks, uh, maybe? Probably something like that. Uh, go on, you know. The, I just got the message this morning from Nug. I think said, Eventbrite is the ticket people. And if yeah. you go on Facebook, look up Greektown Wrestling. It, uh, it's all listed there. Yeah. But yeah, I always enjoy them. And uh, I go to all the events. And Recently, I went to uh, Smash Wrestling in, here in Toronto, which I love. And um, they had a fantastic card. It's a... It's a super showdown. It's their big. It's their WrestleMania, and um, they had uh, a great card. And then the main event, well, one of the main events. There was a double main event. One of the main events was uh, supposed to be Tyson Dukes versus Joey Janela mm -hmm. for the for the heavyweight title, but Tyson Dukes got attacked earlier by Malice in the card. So uh, Malice is an evil faction. Tyson Dukes could not compete, so he had to step out and Tarek went in to wrestle for him, and Tarek, uh, a Calgary wrestler now in Toronto, he actually won the uh, the title, their uh, their championship, their heavyweight championship that night. But there was another match before that. The other main event was uh, Brody King versus Jeff Cobb versus uh, PCO, and they brought all three of these guys in. Now, PCO is Pierre Carl Ouellette. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember him. Pierre yes. the Quebecer from the yeah. 90s. Yeah. He's still wrestling. Wow. And he is, in, and so his gimmick now is he's not human. He is insane. So during the match, he did a full moonsault off the top rope. He's still a heavy guy, but he's, he's clearly he's older. And it's like, this guy wrestled Kevin Nash in Montreal in 95. And I remember it all controversial. Nash wouldn't do the job. You know, and I just like, this guy, how's this guy even still wrestling? He is not human. And then in the middle of the match, he goes down. This guy who's quarter sort of like his Paul Bearer, he comes out with a car battery and booster cables, <laughs> and uh, and he's doing what my uncle used to do when he was drunk. He's clanging the booster cables together to make sparks fly to, yeah, sure. to entertain kids, and uh, he comes down with the sparks, and then he puts the battery down, and then he he puts the booster cables onto the onto PCO's wrist and recharges them. And he gets up and he's revitalized. And it was just like, it was so funny. It was so funny. That's fabulous. And it was so entertaining. And uh, then I watched a video a couple nights ago when I go through my wrestling videos late at night on YouTube. I come into PCO training now. And he's lifting this 
thing. It looks like an anvil, and it's very, very heavy, and he can't lift it. So they give him another booster charge from the car battery, <laughs> yeah. and then he starts lifting, and he's lifting, and he has no problem whatsoever. He's just doing, like, sets of lifting this heavy object. I don't even know what it is. It just looks heavy. But in the meantime, he's also standing in front of a dartboard. So as he's lifting this thing, the Paul Bear guy is throwing darts at his chest, and the darts are sticking into his chest. As they would. And they're just... So he's got like five darts in his chest, and he's lifting this thing, and I'm like, oh my god, he is not human. He is a madman. Like, it's, it's like a gorilla that they're trying to tranquilize and won't go down. That's exactly what it was like, and it's so entertaining. It's so great. I love vignettes. I love wrestling vignettes. Anytime they can introduce an upcoming wrestler or give, or give him some sort of push by using vignettes, Big fan of it. I'm with I'm with you. I think that's the way to do it, you know? I mean, in the end, it's two guys grappling, you know? So it's important to build it up as something more, and, and that, those help a lot. I mean, uh, I remember those early, uh, well, all those Million Dollar Man and Mr. Perfect. And, and, Mr. Uh, Perfect, yeah, all those and, vignettes, And yeah. the bad guy, you know? Uh, Razor Ramon. Chicas are for fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it sets them up great. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Impact has been doing vignettes in their uh, wrestling shows, and uh, I'm pretty fond of that, of what they've been doing lately. Good. Um, despite with the conversation we had before the show where you didn't like how they worked their TV tapings. You just want a show that they tape, whereas they're, they do... They're doing two multiple shows. Well, they do two episodes a night. Right. So, yeah. So when they come out five minutes later and talk about last week that we just saw, it takes me out of the moment a little bit. I know. You have to suspend your belief. You have to suspend your Yeah, but I'm belief. already suspending my disbelief for wrestling. But then it's part of the thing is is that when you do watch it, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm curious. I like how they put this together. Um, because I thought Tessa Blanchard was going to win the title three weeks ago, and she just won it last week. They just aired it last week, and it was like... And it happened so long ago where it's just like, oh, my God, Tessa Blanchard is the Impact Champion. Tessa Blanchard was also at All In. She won a huge match at All In against three other yeah, women. Yeah, I read about and, that. And uh, I tell you, I am a huge fan of Tessa Blanchard. She's great. She is great. She's gorgeous. I absolutely love her. Uh, it probably stems from the love that I have for her fathers. She has two dads. Does um, she? Well, yeah, she has... Her father is Tully, Tully Blanchard, but she wasn't raised by Tully. Uh, she was raised by her stepdad, Magnum T.A. Really? Magnum T.A. is her stepdad. That's and her bizarre. Dad is, and her dad is Tully. And those guys were huge rivals when they wrestled. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they're sharing a daughter. I didn't know. That's going to cause tension. I just thought they shared the U.S. title. I didn't know that the, that the daughter went back and forth. Oh, they cared more about the title. But. <laughs> <laughs> Never was Tessa Blanchard a prize in a cage match. Never. <laughs> no, no, they didn't um, do that. Did you see All In? You didn't see it? No, no, I just read the results. Yeah, it was uh, It was quite the card. It was, first of all, congratulations to Cody and the Bucks for doing the... Uh, impossible uh, you know like when i look at what they've done is i look at here's the card where they've taken five major independent wrestling organizations and they've all lent them their talent all just to come together to have one great show to show you like this is the top of the talent that's out there in the indies yeah and why does every promotion have to be every other promotion's enemy you know what I mean? Like, why? Well, I can't, don't think they are. I don't think they are now. But you know, the fact that New Japan, Ring of Honor, CMLL, PWG, and Impact Wrestling can all come together and share their talent, it gives them the best roster in wrestling comparable to a, a WWE product, I would say. And you know, to do the card, the booking I thought was solid. A lot of people were saying the storylines didn't make sense. Well, maybe you should watch Being the Elite. Um, cause a lot of storylines were stemmed out of being the elite and then some matches were just superstar, like a, a super, like Pentagon junior versus Kenny Omega. There's no story needed. These are two incredibly top talented guys that are in the world of wrestling this right now and they need to wrestle each other. And that was the best match of the night. Pentagon junior from impact and CMLL or, uh, is just 
amazing. I've seen, like, uh, wrestle some great matches this summer. He wrestled Sammy Callahan in a street fight where there were pinatas involved. What's in the pinata? Is it candy? No, it's a stapler. Oh, I figured thumbtacks. Th- no, they didn't have thumbtacks in one of They had Legos. Oh. Which equal, hurt just as bad. I was going to say, I don't want to be on either. I don't want to tramp on Lego, and I don't want to tramp on thumbtacks, and I don't want to fall into Lego or thumbtack. Oh, my God. There was a great moment in uh, Greek Town. They had, like, one of these, you know, anything goes matches. Yeah. And somebody pours a bag of thumbtacks. It was four guys, five guys, I can't remember. Somebody pours a bag of thumbtacks, and then in the ring suddenly are RJ City and the Playboy, now Mm. relentless John Atlas, and... RJ City looks at him and he goes, whoa, 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 you're good looking, I'm good looking, we don't need this. And he gets a broom and he sweeps all the thumbtacks out. <laughs> and then they, That is fantastic. It was really funny. Well, RJ is so good and he's so good at being a heel. Yeah. And he's so good at being a funny heel at that as well. Oh, yeah. He's and, a big comedy fan, you know. Well, we've had him on the show and uh, we've had him on here. He's a big comedy fan. He loves 70s sitcoms mm-hmm. and 70s actors and actresses. Well, one uh, of my big thrills was after the show when I first met him and he knew who I was. He was like, oh my God, you're Simon Rakoff. I was like, oh, <laughs> cool. A comedy fan. Yeah, that was nice. Mm-hmm. So are we going to talk about the, the, the WWE and all the issues yeah. and all that stuff? What are the issues? What issues? Oh, come on, man. Well, here's the thing. I've been watching it forever. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. I mean, since before it was WWE. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Since before it was WWF. Yes. Okay. You know, Vince, Vince has said in interviews that, you know, we, we have the, the, the audience response immediately. We know exactly what the feedback is all the time right away from the live crowds. Yeah. And in the old days, I remember it used to actually make a difference to the choices. Mm-hmm. I was at Maple Leaf Gardens the night Honky Tonk Man was turned bad. Yeah. Like he was a good guy then. Yeah. And the crowd just hated him. Yeah. He was just getting booed and booed and booed and booed and he kept smiling because he was still the good guy, booked the good guy. The next day on television, he went bad. Yeah. I mean, because they heard us and they went, yeah, they hate this guy. Let's use it. Now it's almost like Vince is like an old spiteful, get off my lawn, old man. Who it, It's like he almost does exactly the opposite of what you want every time. Mm-hmm. And I find that odd just as a business decision. Yeah. I mean, when they talk about best for business, I mean, why would you keep shoving that Roman Reigns as a good guy when almost nobody likes him? Well, I here's the thing about Roman Reigns and everybody, and I've People probably are getting tired of this, me talking about this on the podcast, but, but I don't, here's what I don't understand. If you're going to cheer Roman, that's fine. If you're going to boo Roman, that's fine. You you have the right to do whatever you want as a fan, but I don't understand why they boo Roman, but cheer the shield. Like, why do they boo Roman? But the minute Seth Rollins comes down or Dean Ambrose comes down to help out Roman, now they're cheering. I'm like, if you don't like Roman... You shouldn't like the guys that are going to help him out. It doesn't make sense. Well, accepting the problem with Roman Reigns is that he's, the matches are booked like he's a good guy. Yes. But everything he says is like a heel. Yes. I mean, it's it's just odd. He's like trying to, well, they're trying to have that, that gray area, like where the Stone Cold, where they have a cool bad guy, but really he's a good guy. Yeah, but Stone Cold liked the fans. Yeah. Stone Cold, he didn't like the authority figures. He didn't like being told what to do. Yeah. But he still said, we're all the same. You and me, we're we're one kind of guy. We're We're, the working man. We're working men. Yeah. Roman Reigns is totally, I'm the best there is. Nobody's better than me. It's the arrogant heel persona. That's why it's not working. Yeah. Um, One of my friends described Roman Reigns one time as uh, the type of guy that uh, would steal your girlfriend. And then, and then, and then, just still, and still want to be your best friend. Yeah, right. That's the type of personality Roman Reigns has. Uh, it's very interesting what they're doing, though, because so what they're doing is they put Dean and they put Dean and, and and Seth faces with Roman in the Shield, and now they have them going up against Braun, who was the the number one baby face, and they have Braun with Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, who are bad guys. So technically, this flips the number one babyface in the company and puts him as a heel. 
And he's working very hard to be a bad guy. I mean, which is fine because he can play it. But I mean, they're doing the same thing. Becky Lynch. Why would you make Becky Lynch the villain and Charlotte Flair? The fans are flipping that, though. The fans are flipping. Becky Lynch is now becoming like that female Stone Cold where she's going to come out of the audience and just beat on Charlotte. And they should do that for a couple weeks until Charlotte finally has enough and then says, fine, we'll do the match. Because, you know, that's, for starters, they got to, you know, they need good, like, you know, good, uh, something really good for Charlotte on on, uh, SmackDown. And a Becky-Charlotte feud could, that could go for a year. I totally agree. But why not just listen to what the crowd is clearly saying? Maybe the crowd should just hold on. Stop. It's coming. You it's think coming. they're going to flip Becky good and Charlotte bad again? The, the audience—it's going to be—it's going to go that way. Well, eventually, we'll eventually, Charlotte has to be the heel, anyways, because down the line, it's going to be Charlotte and Ronda Rousey, right? And Ronda Rousey is not going to be the bad girl; she's going to be the face. You know, although she is the ironically, face. in real life, you know, yeah. But the thing is, Ronda Rousey is is the most over wrestler on their roster right now. Yep. And not only that, she might be my favorite. Like, I don't know if you saw Raw this week, yeah, but the yeah. way she was doing those judo flips with, with Fox. Fox, yeah. Oh, my Fox God. Fox those bumps great. I, I thought her arm was going to separate from her body. Yeah, no, it was good. Anytime Ronda does, like, Ronda's moves are so quick and so fast, and they look so good and devastating. Well, because they're real. Yeah, they are. She's a judoka, I mean. Oh, it's great. It's great. And um, I hopefully... Uh, I don't know who she's going to face at Evolution, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. The female pay-per-view. They're making a big deal out of it, but they they've already- give Asuka. Where is Asuka? She showed up last night. Did she show up last night mm-hmm. on SmackDown? Yeah. And she, what did she, she do? Well, Iconic were beating up Naomi. Mm-hmm. They were cheating, you know, so she came out and helped. She helped Naomi. Who helped cheat Naomi? No, no. Iconics were cheating, obviously. Okay, Pace, Pace, and uh, the, yeah, those two and then, girls. Yeah, and then Oscar came out. And, okay, uh, and and helped Naomi. Yeah. Okay, so they're setting up a tag team. Uh, I guess feud with. Because uh, it's just of like tag teams. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Uh, but Bobby Roode and and uh, Bobby Chad Roode Gable and Chad Gable. I'm not against, weird. I'm not against them tagging. They're both two fantastic wrestlers and everything, but it's just like, you know, that thing about Gable is he's got to be in a tag team because he's too small. Right. It's like, that's bullshit. The guy is one of the be- best wrestlers out there. Like, nobody says Ronda Rousey's too small when she went to fight Nia Jax. No. Why is Chad Gable too small? This guy's the legit real deal. Of course he is. Yeah. What happened to Shelton? Is he injured or something? What happened to J- Jordan? Uh, that guy too. Like, where are all those tag team partners going? Are they? They must be on the shelf. They must be injured. I don't know. I check his house. <laughs> <laughs> there might be a secret room in there with 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 a couple of former tag team partners. Tag team partners. Yeah. Yeah. Next thing you know, uh, uh, Bobby Roode is I, I, gone. Not Bobby Roode. I was gonna say uh, Ron. Ron. The truth coming there. Ron Killings there is gonna. Our truth's gonna disappear. That's right. Next, you know, who knows? Here's Bobby the thing. Roode. Bobby Roode. I like Bobby Roode a lot. Yeah. I don't think the gimmick was right. That should have been Dolph Ziggler's gimmick. Glorious. Yeah. I think it's perfect for Bobby. Do you? Yeah. He looks glorious. I, the robe. The robes look great. Look at you. Compare it to Beer Money. When he used to be in oh, TNA. Oh, yeah, no, I remember. It's a, a, a huge evolution. But the thing is, is Bobby Roode is not a young chicken. He's been wrestling no, a long, long time. He's in his 40s. Sure. And it's just like, if you're going to give him a world title run, let's get it Let's get it soon. Yeah. Like, But it doesn't seem that way. It See, seems me, now they're seems, going backwards. He, he seems to me mm. like the revival. His style is more like that kind of wrestler. Old school. Yeah. yeah. Like, I could see him joining the revival as a, you know air quotes, manager, who's yeah. always getting involved. and Well, now the Revival's finally getting, they're finally both healthy, so they're finally getting a push again yeah. on, on the uh, well, number except, one show. Well, accepting, you know, yeah. they had Dolphin 
McIntyre beat beat them up and then win the titles. Yeah, but Dolph and McIntyre, they're not going to hold the titles very long. They're only going to hold it till they split up and have their own feud. Right. They're Shawn Michaels and Diesel as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. They might not even defend the titles. McIntyre looks amazing. I mean, He does. And he's finally, you know, they leave a bad guy's body hair on. I mean, it makes him look more menacing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you know, and uh, I never realized he's so big when you put him next to, like, I didn't realize... He was that big. When he was in three-man band, you know, I didn't think he was that big oh, either. Really? Not until he came back and you realized, oh, this guy's a giant. Oh, yeah. Like, he's it's really huge. big. Sometimes you the wrestlers, you don't realize how big they are. To like, like Billy Gunn. When I met Billy Gunn this past summer, mm-hmm. Billy Gunn is, is big. He's a big guy. Sure. Like, he's huge. Uh, you, don't, you, don't, you don't realize it. Um, well, it's like of- basketball. I mean, I mean, when they're all warming up, on the court, you go, oh, this is interesting. And then the refs come out and you go, oh, my God, these guys are <laughs> huge. Yeah. Huge, yeah. What do you think of um, Baron Corbin? Not much. Me neither. Uh, actually, this is very funny. I will say this. Um, we were at the Monday Night Raw in Toronto, mm. and Baron Corbin was there, and everybody was chanting, Corbin sucks, Corbin sucks. And Jeff McHenry said to me, I haven't heard a crowd like this since I last saw your headline absolute. <laughs> I didn't think that was that funny. And I said to Jeff, I was like, that might be the funniest joke I've heard you do in ages. Because uh, it's funny you say that because, you know, Neil Simon just died, mm-hmm. the playwright. And it brought up the old memory of when I lived uh, in the old days with a bunch of comics and Lawrence Morgenstern, very funny, very quick comic. And we're watching uh, a movie, and I went, oh, it was Sunshine Boys, yeah. one of his sh- movies. And I went, oh, I love Neil Simon. And he said, the playwright or the command? <laughs> so <laughs> those are pretty good when they can use your name. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That yeah. is great. Um, but uh, no, I, I always thought Corbin was tall, but he looks too skinny. Like, he, he, he doesn't look like a menace to me. I mean, to me, yes, but since not to other Since wrestlers. he's shaved his head, though, and since he's become this commissioner, I got to tell you, I, I have started to enjoy not to like him. Right. Before, I just hated him because he took my, my family's name. He's not a real Corbin. He's not authentic. <laughs> he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't even know what nationality he is. But now he's made something of himself. He's got an executive he position. He's got an executive position. You know. In fact, but, your parents are saying, why can't you be like your brother Baron? Yeah, why can't you be like your brother Baron? <laughs> and, and it's so, he's starting to warm up on me because uh, it was this part in Toronto a couple weeks ago in Raw where he was wrestling a match and then he got disqualified. And then he went outside the ring and goes, oh, I forgot to tell you. Right. This is a notice qualification match. It's just that I'm really busy with all my authority that I forgot to tell you. Yeah. And then he went back in. I was like, oh, that's that's good heel work right there. Yeah, no, that was terrific. And he start the match again. He goes back in. I was happy I with agree, that. But it's not like he writes it. No, but that might have been the but first was good. time he did something where I was like, I like that. Oh, yeah, no, I, like, I like that his, too. I like his finisher, end of days. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but. It's uh, impactful. And he is tall. Like he's he six sure eight, is. You know, um, you can't teach that. But and, I mean, big cast. Well, he looked like a monster. He did. Well, he looked like Test, as far as I, I used to. I, yeah, I, he, I, did. I He reminded me a lot of Test. Yes. Yeah. Andrew Martin, a uh, Canadian wrestler yeah. who died, didn't he? Who died, yeah. Triple H had him killed because he was with Stephanie. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> he maybe had a heart attack. That's, I was going to say, one good thing about wrestlers is you probably don't have to have them killed. Most of them don't do very well, unfortunately. No, Terrible unfortunately. business. No, exactly. It's uh, it's very sad. It's very sad, especially uh, the last week. We had, the last couple of weeks, we've had some uh, great wrestlers pass away uh, with Jim the Anvil Neidhart and um, somebody else, one another wrestler passed away too. I can't. Really remember, or maybe it was maybe no wrestler did pass away. Maybe it was just no, well, it happens a lot, but uh, you know, some of them, some of them, you know, get old. Yeah, and that's always nice. Mm-hmm. I'm always happy when I see an old wrestler. You know, because yeah. I think to myself, good, you took care of yourself a little bit. Especially when you see Sweet Daddy Siki running the karaoke. I go there often. on Sundays, and and you see like, imagine what Sweet Daddy Siki had to go through in his career, and uh, you know, like they're. There are stories of him wrestling Buddy Rogers and the clan showing up and sitting in the front row saying, you you might as well just turn around and leave this venue. Like, you're not going to win this match. We're not letting you out with the title. Mm-hmm. Nobody told the clan 
the wrestling was fixed and that Sweet Daddy probably wouldn't going to win the title that night. But anyway, yeah. you know, but um, that's right. They're congratulating themselves. Good job, boys. Yeah, yeah. We made sure he didn't get it. I know. It's like, yeah, good job, clan. Good job, mm-hmm. idiots. Um, but right. the but the, it, the Sweet Daddy's Seeky story is like, you know, he's lucky in a lot of scenarios. He's lucky to be alive. He's lucky to get out of some of these venues. I can and, imagine. Uh, you know, because a lot of the places didn't like him. They found out he was in an interracial marriage, and uh, they weren't for that. And they weren't for him, and they weren't for his wrestling, you know, which was very flamboyant. Like, not only, well, it wasn't the only. Men's regret and the women's pet. Well, not only is he, you know, an African American in the 50s, 60s, wrestling in the southern states, but he's playing a very gay character as well, like, very flamboyantly. He's basically the black, gorgeous George is what he was. Yeah, more or less. But he's more like a cool pimp daddy, which is equally offensive to these guys who think, you know, a black guy should be shucking and jiving and begging for their, you know, begging for their approval as opposed to, you know, looking down on them. But it's cool to go to see Sweet Daddy Siki. He's still around today. He's still running karaoke on Sundays at the yeah. Duke downtown. Seems uh, pretty pretty okay, pretty happy with himself, you know? Yeah. Like you don't get a sad vibe off him at all. No. He loves singing. He loves it. I think he loves his I think he's had a good life and uh I think he's pretty happy. There's a documentary that was on C B C recently That's about right. him. I missed it and now I can't find it, which is oh, no. bothering me. I've been looking for it all online everywhere, but I don't know. I'll find it eventually and I will watch it eventually and I, I will in lo- I will love it. Um, so the other thing about WWE that I find interesting is, you know, they have their big, I mean, they're very good about, you know, trying to develop stars. Yes. But almost always the biggest names in the company seem to come from the Indies, the Indies, half their roster, main events, like most of their roster, half their roster, at least is indie fed. I mean, I'm trying to think of who from them that, that they developed on their own is really, you know. Okay, well, you we look at like Braun Strowman. That's technically, I think, a guy that they've right. developed in house. Right. And that's uh, good Randy job. Randy Orton. Randy Orton's definitely developed in house. John Cena's developed in house. Uh, Charlotte Flair's developed in house. No, no, you don't. Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, she's also from you know a family. A family. She's part of the yes. You know, the flares who were not really WWE accepting that they joined. No. So so she has it in, in a, a way she is, but she also isn't. But when you look at the guys like you look at okay, like Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler, he's a he's theirs, right? Yes, he's theirs. Uh Roman Reigns is theirs as well as I would say. But you know, you look at um Dean Ambrose was John Moxley. Well that's what I'm saying. Uh, Seth Rollins Bryan, was Tyler Seth Black, Rollins Daniel and, Bryan, and Kevin Samoa Owens. Joe, Kevin Samoa Owens, Joe's, AJ Styles, Finn C- Balor, Cesaro. Uh, you know, these are a lot of their top stars are are driven from the Indies. That's what I mean. And people are like, Why is Vince worried about the Indies? Why should he? They're doing they're doing his work job. his job for them. And, you know, like back in the day when Vince took over um, all he did was go around and raid everybody's top talent. Right. And Hunter's not doing anything really different. He is finding the best indie talent in the world, and he's signing them into WWE contracts. And, uh, you know... No, as it should be. As it I should mean, be, it's you like, know? It's like any sport, really, or art form, I suppose. I mean, think of it this way. It's like, you know, you can tell when you see an act in the comedy club... And it's their first time ever leaving their hometown. And mm. they're just, they don't know what to do for this crowd that is suddenly speaking a different language than they are. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing is, because I think when you're in the indies, you know, the goal is the WWE. You want to get to the big show. But now the indies are becoming so prominent and popular, you know, Cody Rhodes left the WWE to go to the indies. And he's the only one who's really done it right. Like, he's like, oh, there's so many great independent wrestlers out there that I could wrestle. He made a checklist of all the guys he wanted to wrestle. And he's pretty much wrestled all of them since then. But the thing is, it's like, he did it the right way. You know, they're the right way of doing independence. 
And yeah, uh, but he also had the option, having been a star in the big show, right? Yeah. I mean, it's if you're in AAA baseball, right? It's it's a different position if you're coming up than if you're going down. Well, there are other wrestlers like Ryback, who has left the WWE. Yeah. Where's he? I have no idea. Exactly. He's he's out there. He's wrestling. Is he? Yeah, but he's not. It's not like Cody. He's not prominent. I think there are guys. He in was the, never the star. Cody was either. No, but he did wrestle in Top Card sure, against sure. CM Punk, and like he, you know, there there are top there are guys that are in the WWE that could leave. Like Dolph Ziggler could leave and have an indie career that would be very successful. Look at Jericho right now. Like Jericho picks and chooses what he wants to do, and he's earned that right. And uh, you know, show, he's the Japan intercontinental champion right now and uh it's fantastic and he showed up at all in unannounced unsurprised like this is what i love about wrestling and chris jericho he's so hardcore with his wrestling that he's willing to charter a private plane to fly to a wrestling match to do a run-in spot and then just to leave to go do a concert back in the other town that he was just in you know he had to go and and he and if you saw him on stage that night He's still wearing the makeup that he was wearing it all in under the mask of Pentagon Jr. when he did his, I don't know if you saw what happened. No, no, no. So basically, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen all in, plug your ears. What happened was um, Pentagon oh, Jr. La, 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 Pentagon la, la, la. Jr. Oh, I shouldn't. You know, Pentagon Jr. <laughs> is wrestling Kenny Omega. Okay. Chris Jericho has a feud with Kenny Omega right now. They've already had a great Yeah, match. yeah, I've read about that in Japan. And uh, so, and they're going to fight together against each other on the Jericho cruise. So basically the lights go out and then all of a sudden they come back on. Pentagon is still in the ring, but then Pentagon gets up and he just starts beating up Kenny Omega after the match for no reason. And here's the thing is this isn't, why is this happening? But then everybody notices Pentagon's tattoos are different. Wait a minute. And you notice like one arm sleeve. It's, it's not Pentagon Jr. It's Chris Jericho. He takes off the mask. He reveals. Everybody, everybody goes crazy. nuts. Yeah. And it's just like, and he's like, Kenny Omega, I'll see you on the Jericho cruise. And then, you know. Tickets still available. Exactly. Tickets still available. They still have tickets available. So, but there's only 3,000 people going to be on that cruise. For Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega too? Are you kidding me? It's gonna it's gonna be insane. I wish I could do the cruise, but I'm already uh, booked elsewhere. But next year, that's my goal: do that cruise. So I've met a lot of wrestlers over the years. It's interesting. Well, well tell us about when you worked uh, Winnipeg with Chris Jericho. Oh, that's right. I was gonna say that about Jericho. He is a pro, man. Sadly, I barely got to talk to him because mm -hmm. he's in such demand. You know, this is obviously a guy with so many, as you say, things on the go. Yeah. I mean, he was just, and he's from Winnipeg, so he and I would hang with his family. And I would think Dean Jenkinson would probably hog him all to himself because Dean's a big wrestling nerd as well. There you go. I mean, I didn't even get to tell Jericho I'm a huge wrestling fan. Yeah. You know, I was on the show that he was hosting, but it was literally just, hey, nice to meet you, and thanks for doing this. And he's like, yeah, man, no problem. You know, and imagine going up to you and like you're my favorite ballroom dancer of all time out of all the seasons of Dancing with the Stars. Oh, did he do? You're that the too? greatest dancer. Yeah, of course That's he did. That's funny. Jericho's really good at staying on top and staying prominent. Yeah. He's like a Madonna. But the thing about him too is he's a good wrestler and he's also a smart guy. Mm -hmm. You know, like he's not a bonehead and he's handsome. You know, he looks like show business. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it makes sense. That he gets it too. You know. He gets show business. Like he's Mr. Show Business. That's my point. He's, yeah. he's a business unto himself. I mean, many of us could learn a lot from the branding that he understands about himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what other wrestlers have you met? I met Hulk Hogan once many years ago when he was at his peak. I happened to be at the airport uh, and there he was, him and Bobby Heenan. Together. And yeah. No. I know. It was crazy. And anyway, I just said, you know, big fan. And he was like, thanks, man. And, you know, brother walked off. Uh, but I had, a, I had a couple of interesting talks. I had an interesting encounter with Matt Hardy oh, when he was version 2.0. Love that, Matt Hardy. Uh, he was staying in the hotel that the old comedy club was at. Okay. And I was just hosting that night and I stepped out and there he is looking at the poster and I say, oh, hey, I'm a big fan. And he bows, sort of a martial arts style bow with the fist in the palm, you know, 
bows and he goes, thank you so much. I says, is your brother here? He goes, he's asleep upstairs. Yeah, asleep. And uh, <laughs> and I said, come on in. If you want to see the show, I'd love to, you know, yeah. invite you. He goes, no, no, no. I think I'm going to just uh, go. But I said, but, you know, I always think what you guys do is similar to what we do. He goes, yeah, but you're not being punched in the face every night. Sometimes it feels like it. And I said, I said, yeah, well, Sudbury's close. <laughs> Although actually Sudbury's one of the best if you ever play there. Yeah. They, they dress up to come out to the comedy show because it's like a big deal to them. It's nice. <laughs> um, and I ran into William Regal, uh, Ivory, and Mighty Molly on the street one night on King Street. Really? Yeah. And I, He is a real man. Two ladies. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And I said to him, man, you're a young guy. I said, you, you, you come across so old on TV. He's younger than I am, you know? Yeah. I said, you come across so old on TV. And he turned to them. He said, you see? Old. So obviously he's been hearing this. Yeah. Well, right? I always thought he looked old too. And, uh, and then I said, Ivory, I got to tell you, you're my favorite. No offense, Mighty Molly. <laughs> <laughs> but I always loved Ivory. I just thought she had the whole package. She yeah. Was, you know, she was just such a good character, right? Hall of Famer. Yeah. And uh, she said, well, tell them. I said, okay. <laughs> and I did. I sent an email saying I'm a fan of Ivory. More That's Ivory. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anybody else big. I, well, I mean, I met Colt Cabana at an indie show. And yeah. I, I met Mick Foley briefly, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting life. And I, uh, as it gets more legitimate, I, what I find interesting is you're going to get, much like comedy, Right. It used to be just like when I started in comedy in 78, I mean, it was really just all us outcasts, you know, the, the people who couldn't fit in and couldn't pay attention and couldn't focus for a real job. Yeah. And then suddenly in the eighties, it became like good and there was money to be made. And suddenly handsome guys are showing up and, you know, sort of bro type guys. And it's like, oh, interesting. You know, so, so wrestling in the same way, I think, you know, it, it initially was more just tough guys, Yeah, you know, finding a way to make a living. And now it's a real show and a real living and you get real athletes and real performers and real entertainers. You know, it's a much more legitimate living and life. And Agreed. hopefully become safer for them over time. I think I think it, it will become safer over time. I think you know the concussion protocol they have now is you know if you have a concussion and you're out you're out for until you're cleared by the doctor. It's much like regular sports, right? So well, and know. I hope and I hope the other thing the you know the the bad meds are also being phased out because i think that was a large part of it too yeah i think a lot of not necessarily steroids i think a lot of it was painkillers more than anything well everything i mean i mean you know eddie guerrero's heart yeah was you know destroyed yeah, by yeah. anyway i'm just saying uh, that that's the aspect of the business that they really need to fix because it's very hard to you know to enjoy somebody and then find out oh they they died in pain so young. It, yeah. it makes it a sadder. They need a better sport. way of looking of looking after their wrestlers. Like Bret Hart used to say, they treat wrestlers like you know old uh, champion race horses, where yeah. once they're no good, they just take them out and uh, behind the barn and you know put them out of their misery. And uh, and a lot of sports are are like that. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying it's just wrestling. You know, you you don't meet a lot of old boxers who are studying particle physics either. No, but, uh, but you, you know, the, the old guys that they do have the old boxers, especially the champion ones, they're all treated with a respect and they all have a, you know, a, a thing about them. You know, they're always, once you're a champion, you're always a champion. Of course. And, uh, you know, maybe wrestling should take a page out of that and, uh, respect some of their performers a little more after they retire and everything like that. Well, they do bring out in some of the legacy guys more and more, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, you know, it was nice that Roddy Piper was sort of still involved when he went. I mean, mm. again, too young, but. Yeah. Well, that's the problem. Too young is, uh, it's all the price of the business, right? Um, yeah, you know, but Ted I don't DiBiase's, think it has to be. Ted DiBiase, no, it doesn't. Ted DiBiase's got a good docu documentary about it called The Price, The Price of, uh, the price of Fame, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's sort of about his career and about his story with you know, his sons and uh, their careers. And it's a really interesting documentary, and I encourage you all to uh, check it out. Um, but with that said, we've come to another end of another issue of uh, Talking Wrestling. Simon, where can we find you online, and where do you have anything you want to plug coming up? 
I'm always somewhere. Uh, go to simonrakoff.com. You can find out about me. I've got some videos from my television appearances there. There's a calendar so you can see where I'm upcoming. I'm going to be going to Ottawa and Kingston and Absolute Comedy. And I'm doing a, a show for uh, the Jewish community here. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but non-Jews are welcome at uh, the Regent <laughs> Theatre, I think September 16th. Uh, so that should be fun. And, you know, I'm, I'm out on the town just about every night at some comedy venue doing, doing a spot because there's so much now and, you know, you got to sharpen your sword between battles, as they say. For sure. And, uh, for all you people out there, thank you for joining us and talking wrestling. Thank you for letting us put a headlock on your ear and, uh, don't forget to hit us up on all those, uh, places that we told you at the start of the show, uh, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, give us a review and a five-star rating. Uh, we'll send you a postcard. Other than that, you guys have been a lot of fun. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week and uh, until then have a great day and we'll see you real soon. Bye now. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 